It is said that ministers are here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I say we are all afflicted and we are all comfortable. May our time together this morning be a comfort and a confrontation. May we here find peace in times of tumult. May we here invite tumult into lives of peace. May we here find calm in times of restlessness. May we here allow restlessness to evolve into action. Let this be the place you consider what you've never considered. Let this be the place you imagine for yourself something new and unthinkable. May this hour bring dreams of new ways of being in the world. Come. Let us worship together. Love is the doctrine of this church, the quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve life in fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony, thus do we covenant with each and with all. A candle has been lit this morning for Gladys Bumgarner, the aunt of one of our members who is fighting an infection and struggling to recover following surgery. I light three candles for us this morning for all of our elected leaders, for their safety, for the courage to do what is right in the face of continued danger and for the accountability that is so desperately needed. For our country, that our divisions may not yet be so deep that we cannot heal. And I light a candle for all of you, for the strength to name your feelings in the midst of this chaos, and that we may all yet find 
some sense of peace of mind. For all our joys, all our sorrows, whether we share them aloud with one another or we hold them in the silence of our hearts, let us be with one another in a moment of silence. Please join with me now in a spirit of prayer and reflection. Eternal and beloved, gracious source of all life and all love, we come together today with gratitude for this time out of time that gives us pause so that we might become more fully present to our own selves, to our wider communities, to that which we call holy. May our joys be celebrated together, our wounds be healed together, our hearts be opened together. Humans being human, we search for chances to start over. And what better time to begin again than the start of yet another circle around the sun? It is a new year, an arbitrary arrangement of time, but it is still a chance to engage anew with our dreams and our ideals. How shall we use the great cosmic do-over? To what shall we commit ourselves? Should we focus on community, on the common threads that bind our lives together? Should we perhaps seek out new threads to weave into the tapestry, creating for ourselves a stronger fabric? Or shall we turn our eyes towards justice and peace, finally, finally building that world made fair with all its people one? Or are these things all connected? Perhaps it is enough in this moment to stop and remind ourselves why we need this space together, this circle of care and concern. Perhaps it is enough in this moment to stop and remind ourselves why the wider world needs our presence. Perhaps it is enough in this moment to remember that if we are worthy of our place here, then all are worthy, and that some are just waiting for us to show them the way in. Whatever the focus of this new year, may we approach it with commitment. Forgive ourselves when we stumble and celebrate those things, large and small, which give our lives meaning and lead us into deeper awareness of our limitless connections. All this we pray in the names of those known and unknown, present and absent, remembered and forgotten, in the names of all the helpers of humankind. Amen.
Our theme for this month of January is imagination. What does it mean to be a people of imagination? And so I thought, as our time for all ages today, we would spend some time flexing our imagination, stretching those muscles and seeing what exactly we can do with them. And so today, we are going to imagine ourselves building a better world, building that world of peace and justice and equity for all, that world that we declare in our principles. We're going to imagine that we are building that world right here and right now. So, let's imagine, where do we begin? What's the first step we're going to take building that better world? I don't know either. I mean, that is a lot to ask, isn't it? I, I, I asked a lot of you right there then. I, I, I apologize. That's a, per, a perfect, better world. That's, that's, a, that's a tall order. My head hurts just trying to think about that. So maybe, maybe we start smaller, take a, take a bite out of that and see what we can do. Let's, let's build a, a better country, maybe, to begin. Where, where do we start with that? What do you imagine? Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's still, it's too, it's too much. It's, um, all right, let's, let's make it smaller even. Let's, let's build a better home for ourselves. Let's build the, the house of our dreams that we will live in and, and what people will be there with us. And no, no, that, <laughs> the house has a lot of details in it. That's, 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 that's a lot. That's too much. I think we need to, to make this even more manageable. So let's, <clears throat> I know, let's start with, let's start with the perfect room. The room just for us, the space that makes us happy, the space you would enjoy spending some time in. Let, let's just start with the room. Let's imagine that today to start. Close your eyes. Make that blank canvas for yourself in your mind. And let's start to imagine that room. There's a, there's a door to that room that's closed right now. What, is that, what does that door look like? Is it solid and smooth? Does it have fancy carvings in it? Maybe it's just a beaded curtain. No, it's a door. And that door has a handle on it. What is the shape of that handle? Is it a round knob? Is it a straight lever? Is it one of those little push buttons that you click with your thumb? Is it a Star Trek Enterprise door that slides open? What is the shape? How do you open that door? 
you reach out and grab that handle or that push pad, what, what does it feel like on your hands? Is it cold, metal, and smooth? Is it more wood? Imagine what that handle feels like in your hand. And now imagine yourself turning that handle, opening that door. That door to your special room is swinging open and you were looking at it for the first time. But the first thing you see is the light. What kind of light is in this room? Is it sunlight streaming through windows? Is it a lamp in the corner of the room? Is it a bright ceiling light shining down? You have big wall sconces, torches on the walls, shining light into the room. What kind of light is in this room? Take it in. And then as your eyes adjust to that light, take a look into your special room. How big is it? How big is that room? What shape is it in? Are the walls round? Is it a tower? Is it a square? Is it a cave? Take that all in. Imagine that shape and that size. There's a place to sit in your room. What is it? Is it a rocking chair in the corner? Maybe it's an easy chair right in the middle of everything. The squishy beanbag chair, maybe. Maybe you're going to strip it all down and it's just a square of carpet for you to sit cross-legged on. What does your place to sit in your special room look like? When you've got that fixed in your head, go ahead and, and sit down in that space. Look up from where you're sitting. There's a wall across from you in that room that you've imagined the shape of. What color is that wall? Is it painted? Is it wallpaper? Is it cinder block? Is there anything hanging on the wall? piece of art that you made, a poster of your favorite band or video game? What makes your wall interesting and special to you? When you've got that sense of your wall fixed in your head, take a look down by your hands. There's something next to you, just within your reach, maybe on the floor, 
maybe on a little table next to your sitting area? What is it that's right there for you to grab whenever you want it? Is it a favorite book? Maybe it's a cup of tea, pencil, maybe it's your cat. What is the thing right within reach that makes this space special for you? When you have that in your head, go wild with your imagination. You can have whatever you want in this room that makes it special to you. It's in your imagination. What else is in your room? Make your plans as elaborate or as plain as you wish. It's your room. If you'd like, you can share your room in the fellowship hall later this week. Tell us what's in it. Draw a picture of it, a floor plan. But imagine yourself into your special room. And now imagine for a moment that your room is next to someone else's special room. Those special rooms are next to others. Maybe now we can imagine big. Maybe now that we've stepped back into our own special room, we can begin to imagine what it's like to build a better world, a world that's special for everyone. Where do we begin? Our reading this morning comes to us from my colleague, the Reverend Ashley Horan. Another world is possible. We say it again and again, even when the proof lies somewhere beyond the horizon, beyond our reach, beyond our imagination. This is our faith. Another world is possible, not somewhere else. Another world 
another lifetime, but here and now, for us and for all, another world is possible. There is no single path toward that world. No one strategy or approach that will restore balance, heal brokenness, sow wholeness, free creation. There are many routes toward liberation, toward freedom. But the abundance of options does not absolve us of the responsibility of acting. Another world is possible. The call, the duty of each moment in history is to discern who are we and what can we bring with humility, integrity, faith. What is the context and how can we address it with agility, resilience? skill? What is the vision and how can we realize it with accountability, relationship, joy? Another world is possible. In this time of despair, of fear, of collapse, this time that is both like every other era and like no other time in history, it is audacious to declare our faith and to commit our work to a world that is more free, more just, more whole. But we are an audacious people in good company with many kin, and we are ready to show up and work hard and stay humble and make friends and hold the vision, starting here, now, today, with us and persevering however long it takes until that other world is not only possible, but that other world is here.
Imagine another world that we are building. No, no, you're right. It's still too, too big, too much to take on. Imagine first instead then an empty space. Two actors standing in it. They have no script between them. They have no idea what scene it is. They are about to play out, and so they ask for just an object to get them going. And somebody says, car seat. And with just that to go on, soon they will step out into that space and start to tell a whole story from what that object suggests to them and reveal the relationship that exists between them and set up a conflict and the solutions that might come about all through a process of mutual discovery together. But first, before a word is spoken, before any relationship can be established, before any problem can be solved, there is the terrifying prospect of not knowing. Not knowing what will happen next. Not knowing how things will end. There's a sense of risk in that brief first moment in the face of what is uncertainty. The 25 cent word we like to use in theological circles and I think is used elsewhere for that feeling is liminality. To be standing in liminal space. Liminal literally means a threshold. So to occupy a liminal space is to stand on a threshold between what we know and the unknown ahead of us. To stand on a threshold between the familiar and the alien. Right now, this very moment that I am speaking and the moment you are watching this, we are occupying so very many liminal spaces. There is the start of a new year, a threshold into the unknown that we intend and ritualize every year, make a big deal out of. But then there's the threshold into a new administration and government in our country. So much we do not know at this point. And we are standing on a threshold between the reality of what we know of white supremacy in this country and a vision of racial equality that still does not exist yet and yet we long for. And we stand on a threshold between the reality of disunity in this country that was thrown into st such stark relief earlier this week and the dream of oneness that we pray for but have never yet achieved. And we are standing on a threshold now between the realities of a pandemic and a sense of not knowing what our new normal might look like when we move past it? What will our lives be like? Even right now, 
right here, given the chaotic pace of current events of this week and of the past several months, the uncertainty exists of the words I am speaking into a camera on Friday afternoon and not knowing if they will still be relevant on Sunday when you watch them. We occupy so many thresholds to the unknown, so much liminal space intersecting through our lives right now. And we are passing through these thresholds despite what we know or do not know. Here's the thing, we cannot pause indefinitely upon the threshold just because we don't know what's on the other side. Time and events will push us across whether we want to or not. The next moment and the moment after that will come with or without us participating in it. New realities, new normals will be built on the other side of that threshold. And we should want to participate in the building of that reality. It is frightening, all this unknowing. This week alone has brought so much unknowing. It is paralyzingly frightening. And there are, after all, no blueprints for this new world. We've never done these things before. We've never seen these things before. We've never seen true equality. We've never built a world post-COVID. We can only imagine what those things might look like. And all that unknowing can often paralyze us with fear. To pass through that liminal space with intent as participants and not mere passengers means that we need to be able to change our relationship to the unknown from one of fear to one of joy even perhaps. But how do we do this? Without any blueprints, without any pictures, we are all just working from our own best and very scantily informed guesses. And the answer, as vague as this may sound, is we will do it together. I know that's not enough. But somewhere at the intersection of all of us, there exists plans for a way forward through those thresholds. I know I have spoken at great length ad nauseum and probably to some of your frustration about my spiritual practice of improvisation these last several years. I've invited you to come and play with me in the process. And some of you have joined me in that play and found something in it. And some of you have said no Thank you. You are somewhat baffled by my enthusiasm for this. And I can hear you all talking in the background. Is he trying to turn us all into comedians? Is that his answer to fixing the problems of the world? And the answer is no, no, I don't want that for you. Now, now I'm not going to lie. I have fun while I'm doing it. I enjoy performing 
I enjoy playing the games and clowning around in front of an audience. <coughs> but there is something of much more consequence that happens when I am playing the games and practicing in the safety of a classroom or on the stage. When I am playing at the task of discovering something unknown together with people that I trust, when I am standing in that odd liminal moment on the stage when the scene hasn't begun yet and we just have the barest sliver of a suggestion, when I'm engaging at that in a moment when the stakes of the game have never been lower and get a chance to flex some new cognitive muscles, I find that when I carry all of that outside the classroom, outside the stage, those muscles and those skills remain intact in the process. Over the years, I have discovered I am, in fact, changing my relationship to the unknown. I've become less fearful when I'm paused in those liminal spaces. I'm not alone in this discovery. There has been much research done about engaging in improvisational games and the capacity it has to stretch what we call the uncertainty threshold. In emergency medicine especially, we are finding that doctors who play increase their capacity to deal with the uncertainty and the unknown of the situations they work with day in and day out. What I'm learning in my own play and what we're seeing applied in the wider world is that what is true in childhood follows us into adulthood. The way we engage our imaginations, the way we engage in imaginative play when it's safe to do so in situations where the stakes are low, we become better prepared to deal with all of the trials and the unknowns of the real world. Now, I don't have all the answers for what the world is going to look like on the other side of these thresholds, but I can tell you a few of the important lessons I've learned from indulging in playfulness. One, you are enough. And so are they. One of the roadblocks to our dealing with uncertainty is our fear of our own smallness and our own imperfection, what has been popularly called the imposter syndrome. It is one of the things that can paralyze us from taking action when we don't know what the consequences might be or what the world might look like. But in the playful discovery of improvisation, I have learned that everything we need to move forward and build a scene that has no script is right here in front of us. Everything we need is right in front of us. My passions, my intelligence, my experience, and your passions, your intelligence, your experience, and their passions and intelligence and experience, all of that are tools at our disposal to build something in the face of the unknown. Together we know enough to begin to build something new. We may not know it all, but we know enough. 
And we do not need to know it all. Because secondly, none of us have to solve the problems of the world alone. None of us is on our own to build the new world. The thing about uncertainty is it can leave us feeling as though we are alone. And it fools us into thinking that we have to find our own way out of this dark, out of this unknown morass. Sometimes when I'm in a scene, I cannot find my way into it. I cannot find my way into the story that we have begun. All I can see are walls. Either it's a subject I'm not familiar with or I'm just having a brain foggy kind of day. But I know, I know if I wait long enough and I listen deeply enough to the others playing with me, someone else might know where the door is. Someone else can point the way to what is next. And then I have a chance to step out and step through to contribute what I have. And then, then I can do, and you've heard me say this before, I can do the next small, smart thing. I don't have to build the whole room, whole cloth. I can just concentrate on the handle for a moment. Someone else may add the light. I'm adding my voice to a chorus of multiple intelligences rather than singing a solo on my own, building something stronger out of all of us at the intersection of everything we are together and in the process building something that everyone has a sense of ownership and pride in. Does it work every time? No. Do we make mistakes? Frequently. But that is the third important lesson today, and the one I want to leave you with. Lesson number three, and the hardest one to grasp for many, is that imperfection is guaranteed in the process. We are going to screw this up. We are going to have moments of failure. And the biggest obstacle to hurtling over the unknown and building into it is our fear of failure. If we can't do it right the first time, we're not going to do it. The fact that we know we could fail or make a mistake often means that we don't risk trying that creative idea or even just the next small smart thing because we fear it won't be perfect or even just good enough. But in the context of play, where it's safe and the stakes are small, we know we'll make mistakes or miss the gift that's been handed to us more often than we'll hit a home run in that scene. And when we accept that as a reality up front, the risk to try the untried thing becomes so much easier. To risk failure in play when the stakes are low, builds our capacity to take a creative risk that might pay off when the stakes are much greater. To fail with gusto, to leap joyfully into the mistakes we might make together teaches us to stop second-guessing ourselves, second-guessing the very gifts we are trying to appreciate as being enough in these trying moments. 
you are enough. You don't have to do it alone. And it's okay if we make mistakes in the process. We are starting this new year on so many thresholds. The ones I've named and whatever ones you are facing personally. Everywhere we look is liminal space right now. So much unknown surrounds us in the future. It is intimidating, I know. Frightening. But the world is waiting for us. The world needs us to help tell the new story, to help build the new world on the other side of that threshold. And now, in a new year, hey, that's as good a time as any to start practicing new ways of telling that story, to practice new ways of building together. To build a better world seems intimidating. It is hard to know where to begin. So we start with one, one room instead, some place you feel safe, out of all the unknowns in your life, out of all the thresholds you stand in, take one up that has the, the lowest stakes, the lowest risk, just to play with it a little bit. Ask yourself, what do I see in front of me right now? What is there I can grab onto? What is there that I can accept from others? What is there that I can give of myself? What's the small smart thing? And what's the next small thing? Everything is in front of us. None of us needs to build this new moment alone. In this new year, Amidst all the turmoil and all the hope that clashes with the turmoil, may we find a sense of our playfulness. May we appreciate the skills that playfulness lead to arise within us. Amidst the turmoil, may we listen closely to one another. May we risk failing with joy. And in doing so, may we step across these thresholds together. May it be so. Just one announcement before we end our service today. If you would like to engage a little more deeply with our theme of imagination this month, I invite you to join us for our next Soul Matters Circle. That will take place on Thursday, the 21st of January at 7 p.m. on Zoom. A link to that Zoom meeting will come out this week of the meeting itself. Preparatory materials for this month's circle 
was sent out earlier this week, and I'll send it out again next week. There are spiritual exercises to try and some questions for your pondering. This has been a great opportunity for some of us to share and have a little bit more deep moment with our topics each month. It's a great way to get to know more deeply some of our members and friends and build some new community together. And this month to flex our imaginations. I hope you'll join us. Our offering for the month of January is taken up for the Esperanza Shelter in Santa Fe. Since 1975, Esperanza Shelter has been providing shelter and support to those threatened by domestic violence and encouraging healthy relationships in the community in Santa Fe and the eight northern pueblos. 100% of all monies collected this month will be given to the shelter. Use your Givelify app on your mobile device or use the link in the service notes below to make your donation. Thank you for your generosity. May what you give bring you joy and into deeper relationship with your community. Friends, may life bless us and keep us. May the light of life shine upon us and out from within us and be gracious to us and bring us peace. For this is the day. This is the one wild and precious life we have been given. So let us all find a way to rejoice and be glad in it. Go in peace. <laughs>